Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm your host, Luke Velaskin. We've got a very special episode today for starters. Welcome back to another episode, but we are part of the Global Supply Chain Summit right now. So this is a very special With Sonar, but more importantly, we've got a very special guest here, Tony. Tony, introduce yourselves. I know you're on TV here at Freightways. You're a big deal. We get it. You're on the screen more than, you know, low people like myself. But with Sonar, this is your first time. Okay? It is. Yeah, so happy to be don't here. steal everything. So Tony Mulvey, analyst here at FreightWaves, been on the research team here for a little over two years, uh, focusing on transportation markets. So analysts. Yep. We brought the brains this time, folks, because, you know, I don't have it. Anyways, Tony, what's, uh, um, you know, we're, we're the focus is CPG right now, you know, in, in this summit, and there's a lot of things going on. Consumers have seen a lot of changes in prices of goods. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. There's been some wage changes. Transportation costs are up. You know, if if you had to describe, um, if you had to describe kind of the current situation of the market, you know, what, what comes to mind? Obviously, tight capacity. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's been the trend for over two years or almost two years now. But I mean. I think the big one is the inflationary pressures, right? Yep. When you're thinking about what the consumer's facing, but also CPG companies and manufacturers are facing. I mean, look at the producer price index that came out this morning. It's like 9.7%, yeah. right? So it's outpacing what the consumer's facing. So yeah. a lot of that's, that's, I mean, a big factor, yeah. right? I mean, it's, and transportation cost is part of that. So right. I think when you see what freight rates have done and... Where the market's up been to the right, yeah, everything's up to well, except projections. Except projections, they're headed down. But I mean, they're still at almost twenty percent. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. if you think about contract rate, their contracted loads are getting rejected one in five times. It's not ideal. It's it's definitely not ideal. Also, folks, did you hear that? You know, just threw out you know nine point seven percent. We're getting numbers here, folks. That we're, we're we're stepping up in the world of West Owner. You don't get any of this from me. So I appreciate you coming here, Tony. But no, in all seriousness. Yeah, I mean, price. price there's a, there's a lot of lot of inflationary pressures, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. Is you're right. Th- things have been up and to the right for so long. I think people have almost come to expect it, and just kind of well, this is just the way it is. Yeah. Especially a lot of the shippers that we've been talking to, they're they're so, you know, just hey, I, I don't. I, my my tender acceptance rate was was eighty five percent. I'm on top of the world. It's like oh, that's really still not that good, even though you beat the market. It's still not good, but capacity is beginning to show the early signs of easing. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. One thing before we do that, though, is um, we just had the Super Bowl. What's a popular food people eat at the Super Bowl? Avocados. Avocados. Number one food, uh, number one day for avocados in a year. Number one day for avocados. What What do inflationary pressures mean for a food like that? I mean, obviously, it's one thing that's purchased around that. I mean, anytime, I think we have a headline here, avocado prices rise. 59% 59% ahead of the Super Bowl. I mean, a 59% increase in prices that yeah. the consumer's paying. That's a lot. I mean, when you think about it, that's, I mean, from a dollar to a dollar sixty. Right. Yeah, it's it may not seem like a lot, but if it's the biggest day, that number adds up when you multiply it out by millions. Oh, yeah. So. That adds up a lot. Uh, not quite as big as the gains you're seeing in your stock market portfolio, but, you know, otherwise, very, very, very big there. Um, by the way, are you a Super Bowl watcher? I am. I did watch it. You did watch it? Do you have a dog in the fight? No, I didn't personally. My family, okay. uh, brother, sister, stepmom, all big Cincinnati Bengals fans. Big Cincinnati Bengals. So, Bengals. yeah, that's where they're from. So, it's uh, 
I didn't personally, but they did. So, so I had a little bit of a rooting interest. So close, but no cigar. Yeah. That's so. unfortunate. But anyways, no, that's good. Well, let, let's, there's, there's a couple of things we want to get into uh, here today. You know, one, and, and again, going back to the topic of today's conversation, right? Capacity is easy. We, we see that it's beginning to happen. That's not to say that, you know, it, it's almost difficult to say that capacity is easy because when you say that, everyone's like, no, it's still hard to find capacity. You're absolutely correct. Where you have to think about where the reference point is right now, right? Tony, you know this. A lot of folks watching know this. The reference point is up here. I mean, it's in the stratosphere right now, but that's where we're coming off from. So capacity is coming down, mm -hmm. and it looks like that trend might continue, but it's going to be a long road. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you think about this time last year, we were at like 27%, but granted, we had the freeze, right? And that, yeah. that threw the market a curveball. And really, this year, from what I've heard, I mean, it's been normal. Right. Like the way the things have trended have been normal. Granted, like I said, rejections are 20%, but right. there's not been that catalyst to tighten capacity or throw, flood the market That's either. Right. So, I mean, it's you're just kind of in this... <clears throat> Wall of volatility. I guess that's right. No, I, I think that's a good way to say it. Let's go ahead and throw up here. I want to throw a map up on the screen for everybody to view here. Um, this is something right there. There it is. Look at that. So when we look at capacity easing, right? No, not everywhere is equal. It, it does happen in stages, and, and it is it is unique geographically into which areas are going to get hit the most and to what extremes. And this map paints the picture. Let me just quick summary for those watching. If you're not familiar with our capacity trend maps. That's what this is. This is this is near real time. This is as of this morning. Uh, so as of about 6 a.m. Eastern time this morning is what you're looking at here. Blue there represents where capacity is easing. The darker the blue, the more extreme capacity has eased. Okay. Now um, the uh, uh, the red there represents where capacity is tightening. And then the the light colored areas there are the white colors, um, the gray areas, if you will, uh, relatively flat. So you know. Basically, some areas, capacity is actually still tightening. Even though the general market is trending down, the market is seeing some areas that are tightening. So you may be in, in an exceptional case right there, right? Um, or maybe you have some areas where, oh, I haven't really seen any change. We're just kind of hanging out here in the stratosphere of capacity tightness. But, I mean, there's still a decent amount of blue there. Even LA, if you notice down there at the bottom left of the screen, Ontario, California, monster market hasn't changed. But LA, a little bit of easing there. It's a little light blue. Right, Allentown, PA, a little bit blue, just all around Chicago, not Chicago specifically, but all around Chicago, a little bit blue. Dallas, Texas, a little bit blue. So there's some big, big movers in there. Yeah. Not all of them. Yeah. And I actually use this map in the Daily Watch that went out this morning. I, I think it really does show what's going on in the market. And, and what you're seeing is a lot of these secondary and tertiary markets, right? So your second and third, like tertiary, if an, come on. If you had that order of magnitude, right, you're, your largest markets, your LA, your Ontario, yep. your Atlanta, not a whole lot of change. You have seen some loosening. I mean, look sure. at Ontario rejections down under 8%, but I mean, they were 4% a few years ago. Right. So it's like, they're still tremendously high for what would be considered normal or previously yeah. normal. But you're seeing capacity flood into some of these markets, some of these secondary markets, you're just, it's, you're, you can see the freight flows, yeah. right? They're leaving the large markets going into some of these smaller markets, but they're also taking capacity out of, out of the red markets. So that's right. It's, you're really seeing how freight's flowing with this map. We've also seen contract rates come up quite a bit. And I, and I think this is something that's, that's important, right? 
is we, we're not looking at contract rates today. We don't have a chart, but contract rates have gone up. They were up around 22% in 2021, 23% van contract rates specifically. 23% in a year in 2021, when they were already elevated coming off of the back half of, 20, uh, of 2020, right? I mean, that's a lot for contract rates. Contract rates aren't designed to move like that. Spot rates, yeah. Spot yeah. rates have been like, you know, hey, see ya, we're going. But contract rates? So I think that's helped a little bit. It's now become a little bit more attractive for carriers to be like, okay, well, you know, I don't need, I don't need, I don't need the, the spot market as much. I can rely a little bit more on the contract world. And I think that's helped driven some of those rejections down. Yeah. And I think that's the case, especially in the large markets. I mean, when you think about how a carrier builds out their network, they want to run contract. They want to know where volume is going to be so they can yeah. run those lanes. I mean, obviously they have the ability to go out into the spot market and make some more money, but is it as efficient as running contracted freight that's, like right. you said, up 22%? Yeah. So We're going to look at some pricing examples in a minute. Let's go ahead and throw up this chart up on the screen. I just want to look at Atlanta. Atlanta is kind of, you know, the jewel of the Southeast in terms of freight volumes, in terms of, you know, how much just gets sucked in and pushed out of Atlanta, right? And and what we have on the screen is a year-to-date chart of just tender rejections outbound out of, out of Atlanta. And we can see there we started the year at about 20% there, top left blue line. And we've gone down. We're sitting at just about a little over 13.5% right now uh, as of this morning. So second lowest uh, possible rate uh, year-to-date, um, actually the lowest being uh, the day before. So um, I think this can, this, can, this can almost paint. So while this is almost an indicator of supply easing, it can be a little misleading, though, because while tender rejections are going down, meaning you know routing guide acceptance if you're a shipper is going up, that's a good sign, right? We have to remember where contract rates have gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's if contract rates are the primary driver of yeah. of this, right? I mean, this are obviously rejections lead spot rates, right? Right. And as that gap widened, we saw rejections. Yeah. But now that gap between spot rates and contract rates is narrowed. I mean, I think truckstop.com's national van spot rate was like three dollars and seventy three cents. Yeah. And contract rates were right the two eighty. Yeah. Right. They so it's don't. Getting closer. And, and contract rates don't include fuel, whereas the truckstop.com ones do. So I mean, once you factor in fuel surcharge, that gap's relatively small. You're not far off. Yeah. 10, 15 percent off yeah. at that point. So I mean, it, it's gotten a lot closer. That's the other thing too. Like, if I'm a shipper and I'm looking at this, right, and let's say that I, I move a lot of freight out of the southeast, and I'm thinking about renegotiating contract rates, I'm, you know, and, and I am exposed to the spot market. This could be an indicator of like, okay, if supply is easing. Is beginning to, excuse me, uh, capacity is easing, right? Tender rejections are going down. That's telling me spot rates are going down. Just like you said, Tony, that gap is going to get a lot closer. That could be an indication of, you know what, maybe I don't need to renegotiate my rates today. I can hold off a little bit longer and wait for that to come, wait for that gap to close a little bit. And there might be something a little more favorable in the near term. Yeah, and I think you'll see some of that. I think, uh, but there's, there's the flip side of that, whereas, Rejections have been so high and people are so tired of playing in the spot market yeah. that they're just going to renegotiate higher, bite the bullet and be like, all right, I'll take the higher price. I just need it covered. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Like, I want to no know a truck. I want to know a truck is going to show up when I need it to yeah. show up. Right. Instead of, hey, let's put this load out in the spot market and see what happens. So I think yeah. that you will see some of that where, hey, some people hit the brakes and wait. Others, other shippers will be like, no, I need to know that that truck's going to be there. Yeah. So. No, I think you're spot on. I will say this. The era of fifteen to $18,000 full truckload rates, particularly on the reefer side, the cross-country moves, I was, 
hearing about some last year. I think those are going to be behind us soon, <laughs> if not already. Yeah, for sure. Uh, maybe a, maybe an edge case here or there, but uh, otherwise, I think they're I think they're going to be uh, moving behind us. Let's go ahead and just just look at a look at look at one quick example here. We're going to look at Atlanta to Philadelphia because we were looking at Atlanta. We've seen rejections come down. There it is on the screen in front of us. There. Um, You'll actually see the trend over the last 30 days is fairly flat. A slight uptick over the last two days, um, but for the most part, you know, price 390 a mile, all in spot van, Atlanta to Philly, fairly flat. I think this is a this is a perfect example, right? Spot rates have are are they've leveled off. We've seen capacity come down. Folks are beginning to to realize this, and you know, this is this is the result, right? You know, if you think about it, rates are nothing more than a, than a result of all of the other market conditions of supply and demand movements, right? This is this is just the result of that. Okay, a little bit of easing here. Atlanta to Philly, we've seen that. Southeast, tender rejections have been going down quite a bit. Here's the result, uh, a very slight decline in pricing over the last 30 days. Um, and, and I would expect that to continue as, uh, as supply drops. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's basic economics, right? The, the supply and demand curves, supply, you move it to the right, prices yeah. go down. Or, you increase supply, prices go down, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, and this will be the case. I mean, we'll see. But I think the interesting part, I mean, look at the price. It's yeah. still $3.90 a mile, right? I mean, yeah. it's, like we're saying that, like, like it's we not said earlier, the reference point like, is up here, yeah. okay? We've gone from here to here. Yeah, <laughs> we're flat, but we're at almost $4 a mile. Yeah. So it's, I On think 800 that, miles. Yeah, so I mean, it, it's one of those... That's where having that reference and kind of yeah. understanding where the market is and why, and sort of gives that right. I mean, right. The, the why. Why is the rate this? Right. Why is it? Why is the market moving? Why are rates going up? Why are rates going down? I think that's that's where that sonar value comes into that's play. That's right. So most things are up and to the right. A couple things are beginning to 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 go down. Tony, what happens if the chart starts to move left? Well, left is bad. I mean, we're going backwards, <laughs> but uh, full time lapse there. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, I think we're going to see some of these trends yeah. reverse course. I don't know when. I mean, I think twenty twenty, the back half of twenty twenty two is when we're going to see a lot of the pressure on spot rates start to decline. Yeah. I know I've heard a lot from brokers and carriers that they can sit. They think that not until twenty twenty three, but this is where the inflationary pressures on the consumer come into effect. Hey. Yeah, your prices are up almost eight percent, right? Seven and a half percent over the past year. Right, that demand has to slow down, right? Yeah. So I think I, that's going to be the telling point: is that demand side changes first before we see yeah. it on the capacity front. I I also I'm I'm not as I'm not as much of like an extremist when it comes to this. I think we, we've seen some really extreme moves in 2020. We saw extreme moves in the stock market. We've seen extreme moves on the inflationary side. We've seen extreme moves in the transportation market from cost. I mean, think about think about contain, moving containers from Asia to the West Coast, right? I mean, even more extreme than the truckload market. I'm not so extreme that I think we're going to just suddenly overcorrect. I think I think we're going to find some some ground in the middle, right? There's going to be some ground in the middle. We're not going back, I don't think, to you know where we were pre-COVID, um, but we're not going to stay at these highs. There's going to be some equilibrium, and I think we, we might just hang out for a while there. That's, I mean, that's what I'm, I think too. I mean, it's like what is OTVI right now, like fifteen thousand. Yeah, I mean, like demand to, is still quite high. That to come down to like thirteen or twelve thousand. I mean, yeah. it's still elevated from where we were before, but we're not at these high levels. I mean, I think if we find somewhere in that range, it seems reasonable. I mean. Uh, it's just a matter of when yeah. when does all this happen? And I think that's the 
hardest part of the whole thing. And it's, that's, again, where the value of sonar, you get it on a daily basis, right? When is it happening? We can tell you because we will show you some ocean freight. Not right now, though, because, Tony, I have a very important question to ask. Probably the most important question you've ever been asked in your entire life. Um, Actually, hands down, there's no question about it. But, you know, what did you think of the Super Bowl halftime show? I liked it. Yeah. I, I, it's I the did. only correct answer, first time. I mean, for somebody my age, it was reliving like those 10, that year, like 10 to 12 age yeah. range, right? So that first exposure to, to the hip hop and, yeah. and rap music. And, you know, it was, I talked to my mom and she was like, I didn't like it. But she's 60 years old and I didn't expect her to. Yeah. I was like, it, it's just that generational gap. But how yeah. about you? I was a fan. The, the one thing that, so for starters, you know, I mean, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Eminem, right? You got some, you got, I mean, you had some heavy, yeah. 50 Cent was there, right? You know, Mary J. You had some heavy hitters in there. My problem was, I think you had too many stars. Um, I, I thought they, I mean, obviously, I think they all did, I think they all did very, very well. But my problem with it was, I wish there was maybe a few less. Maybe you just have Snoop and you have, uh, you know, Dr. Dre, maybe you just have Eminem or maybe, you know, you know, one other, right? Something like that, right? Where there's three of them. They can all do a couple more songs, maybe do some, you know, do some things together. But instead, you're trying to give so many people screen time and there's only like 13 minutes yeah. for the halftime show. And to me, it was it was disappointing only because I wanted to see more. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, I mean, outside of that, I mean, it was great. I thought it was exciting. The set was cool too. I yeah. think they did a good job of the set. Yeah. And if you look at Super Bowl halftime shows, like over the last 20 years, I mean, it's uh, there's been an evolution of, of of what they what they put on. For sure, I got one for you. How about ads? What'd you think? Mm. Did you see the Coinbase ad with the QR code? Oh, you know what? I actually didn't. So okay, I'm a. You know, I was in bed by like, you know, 7.30 p.m. because I'm a clown. But no, I didn't see that one. I did see the FTX one, though. For those who aren't familiar, FTX is another crypto exchange. So I did see their ad, but I missed the Coinbase one. Everybody's been talking about it, yeah, though. It was interesting. I, I watched it and I saw it start, the little QR code bouncing around. I was like, this is brilliant because, like, people don't know what the ad's even for, right? There was no branding, no nothing yeah. until the very end. But I was like, that's... You have to go scan it. Yep. It, that is cool. I like that. I think they said they had like 20 million people scan it in 60 seconds. Yeah. So I hope they have some good servers. <laughs> AWS, GCP, whoever they're using. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, don't want don't want that. To, that's it. so. Do you do you have a favorite? Um, is is there whether it's this Super Bowl or a past Super Bowl? Is there something in your mind whether it's from that a Super Bowl that's been very memorable? Whether that's something about the game, something about a halftime show, a commercial that's kind of always stuck in your mind? Honestly, not that. Yeah. Not that pops up on the top of my head. It to me, it oftentimes it just gets remembered as another game. By yeah. the end of the, you think about you hear the stories. I mean, like Brady in 2021, Tampa Bay first year there. Things like that stick yeah. out but it's not games or ads in particular. I will say this. One thing that I stuck in my, that I stuck in my mind is a few years ago. So I'm originally from Philly, so I'm a little biased. Um, was when, when, when the Patriots lost to the Eagles, and one of the headlines was Tom Brady throws for 500 yards and loses. Yeah. That was such an offensive heavy game. It was a great game to watch. Yeah. Like, from somebody, like, I'm not a football connoisseur by any means. So, for me, it was just fun to watch. There's so much happening. But he threw for 500 yards and lost. I don't know. I'll remember that one for a while because that is pretty ridiculous when you think about. Yeah. But, anyways, back to Sonar. We have have an interesting update. You may have heard, if you've been watching, 
So one thing about Sonar, Sonar is the single source of truth, right? It compiles data from thousands of sources to put it all in one place, right? You, we don't, and when we, when we came together to build the project of Sonar, it wasn't to say, okay, hey, there's this data set over here, let's look at that, there's this one over here. I mean, you spend, I mean, you're an analyst, right? You're trying to compile data. I mean, it's, it's a mess when you're trying to compile something. Yeah. If you can go to one place and just pull it all, I mean, it's great, that's yeah. ideal. We've added a new data source. We've added another industry leader in the freight tech world, P44. So very excited about this, especially a lot of the ocean data that they've, that they've been, uh, we've been sharing. Um, so I wanna go ahead and show this up on the screen for us. Uh, for folks to see. Um, there's a lot of ocean data that we do have. This particular one that we're looking at is going to be 12 times. I just have it for U.S. ports, though. Um, but, I mean, you've got you've got some crazy things here. What jumps out to you when you take a look at this? I think the big one, so this is dwell time at the port of discharge. And you look at yep. Seattle there in the top left, 13 over 13 days that a container sits at the port. Yeah, 41% increase over, over last week is yeah. the time frame here is what those percent changes are I mean, week over week. It's crazy. And then, I mean, obviously you've got... 13 days. 13 days. I mean, think about that. That's, for, for folks who don't move ocean, explain kind of you know what dwell times are and what discharge means. So discharge is the port where... So that basically where we bring containers into. Right. So this... Containers basically coming off the ship. Yep, yeah. So this is basically from the time that they're off the ship to the time they're cleared for pickup. Right. I mean, it's, uh, it's least- like, hey, my truckload was, that, imagine like if you if you move truckload, my truck was just delivered to my warehouse in Atlanta, but it has to sit there for 13 days before it can actually be offloaded. Yep. Yeah. It's basically crazy. what's happening. It's unbelievable. It's a lot. I mean, even Port of LA, I mean, look at it, it's almost six days. I mean, it's, yeah. that jumps out. I mean, I look back, because this data dates back to, I think, 2019, and you look back to, uh, back then, that number was down below three days, right at three days, and now it's six days. So it's doubled the length of time. Yeah, I think that's especially for a port port the size of LA. Yeah. That's and obviously it's been in the news and had had its fair share of issues that they've worked yeah. through. Uh, but I think you're seeing some of those alleviate themselves. I think. Yeah. I think you saw like the number of vessels off the coast waiting. Uh, birth was down like 28% week over week as of last week. So, I mean, it, it, you are seeing some some signs of that easing on the ocean. Right. are seeing a few signs. What I think is, is interesting, though, is you are seeing some of these smaller ports, Port of Wilmington, North Carolina, Mobile, Alabama, Tacoma, Washington, you know, New Orleans. A lot of those are overflow ports from others, and they've seen these massive spikes because... A lot of lot of ships coming in to try to offload because you know they're tired of waiting around at Houston. They're tired of waiting around at you know Norfolk or, or wherever. Um, so I do think that is, that is interesting. But let's paint a picture here for a moment. So let's say I'm a shipper, right? And I, I'm trying to bring my freight in here. Okay, I've got a lot a lot of goods to bring in. Okay, bring it back to the shipper. Imagine how much future planning has to go into this, right? So let's say I've got I've got goods L, uh, Shanghai to LA, right? One of the heaviest traffic trade lanes in the world on the ocean side. So what about a about a fourteen day journey approximately? Yeah. Okay, to ship ship a container from the time you get um, uh, di- uh, from the time the the ship leaves Shanghai. So fourteen days. Then you come into uh, whatever you're sure. We'll use worst case scenario here. You come into the port of Port of Seattle. Actually, you know what? Let's just say the port of Oakland. That's a big overflow port from LA. So let's say you go to the port of Oakland. Now you have to wait another eight days. So mm-hmm. you went from something that. Oh, hey, yeah, it's going to arrive in 14 days. Well, yeah, technically, it's really only going, it's going to arrive in 22 days. Then it has to get transloaded, cross-docked, all this stuff before it's actually ready for a truck. I mean, it's like you're, you're like 
a month in before this, these things are even ready. Minimum. I mean, Minimum. That, best that, case scenario. Yeah. I mean, that's with no delays yeah. on like sitting out waiting to get unloaded, right? Yeah. I mean, that doesn't, these container dwell times don't include yeah. that time spent waiting at outside the port. Correct. Right? So, I mean, that's an important, like, yeah, it's 14 days to get to Southern California or California in general, but then you're having the delays out off the coast right and then they're coming in then they get cleared through customs and then it's another eight days and then it's another eight right days. so it's like oh and by the way we haven't even talked about the fact that this all assumes your shipment hasn't been rolled over at the port at the port of origin yeah right and we have we that's another data set we don't have it here today in front of us but that's another data set we have is which ports are rolling shipments over to later sailings which oftentimes is by at least a week yeah right now you've added another week. I mean, so you're, you're talking planning. I mean, two months in advance is, is kind of like the, the minimum threshold here that a lot of these shippers are having to focus on. So they have to have their demand down packed. Yeah, and, and I guess when you factor in manufacturing of that, I mean, you got to think about when that occurs, right? Does it? Yeah. So, I mean, I was talking earlier this week. It's like you think about peak season on the ocean, August, September, and we're halfway through February. It's like if you haven't thought about that, or started working on it, you might be behind because, I mean, the ocean market's not. Lunar New Year's obviously having an impact. We're seeing IOTI down yeah. uh, pretty significantly. Uh, but, I mean, it's still elevated from where it was. But that's bookings, right? Right. I would expect that number comes back up. I mean, it, where yeah. it's been elevated, it dropped. It, but, you know, the freight's still going to move. I mean, do, we haven't seen consumer demand uh, trickle off yet, which I think probably leads us into this article that, or into uh, Mike's Stockout newsletter, yeah. some of his touching that he touches on in the CPG world, right? right. I mean, you look at uh, not just what the consumer's facing, but the freight cost impacts that they're having. I think he, yeah. in the one yesterday, he wrote Tyson, Tyson right? freight costs are up 32%, Clorox in some lay, spot rate lanes that Spot rates are 50 to 75% above contract yeah. rates. So, I mean, it's still just it's, still difficult, yeah. right? So, Oh, yeah, very so. Also, a little bit here, one second, uh, just a little self-promotion here for myself. Um, uh, we've got, there's, there's a big conference going on down in Orlando. Starts at the end of this week, Sunday in particular, FSA 2022, Food Shippers of America, for those that, that aren't, aren't really uh, in, in that world a whole lot. Uh, myself is going to be down there. Um, you may not want to talk to me for obvious reasons, but um, my cohort, Reed, is also going to be down there. So we're going to be talking to a lot of folks with Sonar is going on the road down to Orlando at, at FSA 2022 this weekend down in Orlando. Very excited to just talk to some folks here. I mean, that's that that that's the world, right? You talked about, you know, Tyson right here, right? They're, they're going to be down there. And there's a lot of folks that are going to be down there. Coca-Cola is going to be down there. There's a lot of folks. Dole is going to be there. I mean, go down the list. A lot of those CPG food shippers are going to be there. And like you said, a lot of them are, if Tyson is experiencing this, if Clorox is, so is everybody else. Yeah. And I think the big one's going to be those big guys, they can probably withstand some of this. Right. It's, it's what are the, the smaller, more niche market yeah. uh, players, what are, what are they facing? Because, I mean, yeah. a Tyson or a Coca-Cola or somebody like that, they can pass off those costs through right. those, uh, that pressure through to the consumer, whereas somebody smaller can't right yeah. so like they're already highly priced raising prices just drives people to other 
opportunities. Yeah. So you also you also have the 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 situation where you know somebody like a Tyson or or Coca Cola or, or even Apple, right? You know, you know, getting away from the food for a minute, but like Apple talked about how they you know, that they, they did really well with earnings and they cited the fact that they get preferable treatment a lot of times in their supply chain. So on, t- on top of that, on top of the fact that a lot of these bigger companies can pass off goods to the consumer, there's definitely, definitely a challenge there um, for sure. But yeah, I mean, you know, basically to summarize it all, I think there's a lot of good things here. What we've seen a lot, capacity is beginning to ease. We're in the early stages of that. Remember, the reference point is very high. It's very high. The question ultimately is, how quickly will, will capacity continue to ease? Where will it continue to ease? And when does it find a bottom? And what will that new bottom be, yeah. right? And how do we all come out on top? But anyways, folks, thanks so much for watching. Stay tuned. We've got more content here on FreightWaves TV for the Global Supply Chain Summit. If you are going to be in Orlando at the FSA Conference 2022, hit me up. Otherwise, we'll see you next Wednesday live, Wednesday, 3.30 p.m. with Sonar. Have a good day.